0: What's up everyone? It is the Boundless team here. We got Nico, Larissa and Justine and we are super super excited to actually get this podcast thing going. So uh, without further ado, we're jump into this action-packed episode. Justine, take it on over.
1: Okay, so the first topic we wanted to talk about is comparing sending mass email campaigns versus sending fewer emails each day, but putting in more research into those fewer emails. So the first question I have for Nico is how does data play into the amount of messages you need to send each day to run a successful
0: campaign? A lot. That's a simple answer. The truth like be told, like we've all gone into our inboxes and seen these messages. I literally got one today where it's like, Hey, Nico, saw that you might be in the market for, I don't know, like healthcare data. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not because they looked at my background and said, oh, I have a nutrition degree. That means I automatically want healthcare data. So research separates bad campaigns from good campaigns. And again, we're not talking about great campaigns because then we would talk about intent-based data and business signals. But just to even compete in today's world, if you don't spend 97% of your time on the data acquisition part of your marketing strategy you are sorely going to be behind and just check your spam and that will confirm um, that (laughs) that specific stat because we're all getting spam we're all getting emails that do not pertain to us and in today's world if you don't even have a basic understanding on the other person you're not going to go far Larissa, what are your thoughts on that
2: I mean, the data is so important. And ultimately, like, I think one thing people don't really realize too when it comes to data is like how specific it actually needs to be. And then you need to go further and research from the data you collect. So you need really specific data with like 10 plus different filters and data points to be going off of at least to get a really clear picture of who it is. But then at a certain point, it goes back to you need to understand who it is you're reaching out to. Like, I would say that step one is understand who you, who it is you're reaching out to. Step two is like actually collect the data. Absolutely. Without those, you will not have a successful campaign ultimately. Like, or if you do, it's really lucky. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Which 100,000 emails can get you that lucky, right? Like <laughs> if you send that 100,000 emails, you can get True. that lucky, right?
2: Yeah, Um, ultimately, that's the big difference between like sending fewer emails and sending like mass market emails. Is like if you send out a hundred thousand, you're going to get at least one response probably. But if you're sent hyper custom messages, you know, you send 20 and you get five responses.
0: And I think, listen, I'll I'll, I'll make it an analogy, right? Let's say that you are selling some type of paid ads for e com businesses, right? So you can scrape a list of a hundred thousand businesses and say, hey, do you need help with your paid ads or you can see that they have been decreasing or let me let me back up you can go into facebook ads library right and you can see that their conversion rates or that their ad creative is not that good and you can target it use targeted marketing to reach out to that specific person and i should bring that up i mean night and day difference like if they are in market and running ads they probably don't want to waste that money so that's just one example about like how even the simplest data can make the biggest difference
1: and how would you say that data like affects the actual conversations you're having with the leads like once you're already talking to them does it still play into
2: what is is that data still important to focus on Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's super important to use data to craft messages for your leads, not only the initial messages, but every message following. Because, like, for example, let's say you reach out to a lead who lives in New England, and let's say yesterday New England had a really big snowstorm. If you mention that you're like, oh, hey, like, how are you holding up because of all the snow? And all you had to do was look at like a weather map. I mean, it's nothing crazy. It's not like you're looking at like their exact house being like, okay, where (laughs) did you, how many feet of snow or whatever did you get? But you can mention things like that, small things like that, that show them like A, that you care, B, that you've done research on them and C, it does humanize you a lot instead of you being like, here's my product. Do you want to buy it? Here's my product again. Here's all the features of my product. Here's all the, whatever of my product. Instead it goes from a sales pitch to a conversation.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll add to that too. Adding that human touch definitely lets you come in at a much warmer angle, right? So, like, if you're gonna respond to a cold automated sequence, right, you're gonna be you're gonna expect, you know, or at least the the buyers that I've had, they're very give me the price and let's go from there. With the warm ones, you actually get a conversation going to even see if you might be a good fit. So from my point of view, on the business development front, it's much warmer and you get to go much deeper, which prospects appreciate and buyers will definitely be looking for when they're choosing some type of vendor for whatever the solution is that you offer.
2: Yeah. Ultimately, like whatever information you find, you should use that to your advantage. You're always going to want to start your message with the information about the person who you've done all this research on. And then you want to use that as you go along. So you want to use that research to help further the conversation, because that's something that I think people forget when it comes to outbound campaigns is that, especially in the B2B space, it's about starting up a conversation. It's about building a relationship. And the reason you do outbound campaigns is to build those relationships at scale, but you can't really skimp on the relationship building of it.
0: True. No one's ever bought a $100,000 product, right? From a email directly. So it's just a start. Yeah,
2: for sure.
1: Does this method only work over email or does the platform matter like where you reach out to your leads?
0: Yeah, I'm going to jump in here because the answer is no, it matters to where they are. So today we're focusing a lot more on LinkedIn and email for our B2B-based agencies um, and development shops. But we have a lot of plans to leverage platforms where buyers are so a great example of what was, was, uh, what was that app? What is that application? The the podcast, not the podcast only, you know what I'm talking about? It,
2: oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh, clubhouse. clubhouse.
0: Yeah. So, clubhouse which is was, like
2: totally dead now. It was yeah, super big yeah. and now it's dead.
0: Yeah. So clubhouse was a great example of like finding those high, uh, high value, high in demand, uh, individuals right so clubhouse was a great example so but like we're talking about it it went out style so for for future state there will be more and there's a couple that we're eyeing i.e reddit and discord i'm not gonna lie um behance is another one but the primary ones that at least for 2022 2023 that we're looking at is linkedin and email for these especially in the b2b marketplace
2: Yeah, as people are thinking about it, it's good to keep in mind that like, you should really be meeting your leads where they're at. So like, if they're on LinkedIn, message them on LinkedIn. I mean, everybody has an email, but like, I would say start with the platforms that you know that they're active, because typically, you can see some level of activity. And like, if you can see that activity, you know, they're on the platform, you know, they use it, you know, they engage with it. And so the likelihood of them opening your message is just higher.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: How can you use their profile to your advantage? Like before you even craft your message, is there anything about their profile that like you can use to add to your data and your research?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, besides the demographics that everyone knows like location and that's a favorite one for B2B marketers is like, Hey, I saw that you're in Austin, Texas. It's like, yeah, no, I know that. (laughs) Make, Make it a little bit, make it a little better. Right. But yeah. I mean, what we've been using lately is the about section because often a lot of our at least marketing agency clients, they really invest a lot of time into their their about section. So you can start seeing a lot more on where they want to take the company as well as things I probably haven't said anywhere else. Um, Another one is their actual profile picture headers, right? So those have been amazing to use because no one ever references those. So profiles and assuming you have the right data can really, really be a powerful way to craft messages that actually matter to that person.
2: Yeah, I mean, no matter the platform, any leads profile can provide a lot of information that will be super helpful when creating like a customized message. So like Nico mentioned, referencing their about section, referencing their, you know, cover photos, profile pictures, like, you know, one example would be like, In my Instagram, my uh, profile picture is me with my dog. So I've had a couple people actually be like, oh, wow, like, that's a nice dog. (laughs) And like, I want to talk about my dog, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like, if you look and see kind of the more personal details of people's lives, you can more easily parlay that into a conversation. And then, you know, you can use all that information to write a message to catch somebody's eye and really show that, like, you did your research before reaching out to them. And also, it's just, again, the likelihood that they're going to respond to something that's, like, deeply personal to them is much higher.
0: Yeah, so if you want to sell to Larissa, bring up her dog. That's my takeaway. Yeah, honestly, my takeaway. that's probably
2: a winning tactic.
1: Yeah, you always want to talk about your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you've messaged someone and they responded. What's like ten of the next step? Like, what should you be focusing on next after you've gotten that first response?
0: Getting the next response. So again, we don't want to necessarily always jump right into let's meet because people's times are, especially decision makers' times, are not easy to get by. I mean, you guys know this too, like how many times have I had to like schedule meetings at like weird times or like a day or two after. And it's a really impressive thing because it's hard to get the CEO to look at certain things. Right. So your only goal should be to keep qualifying. Now if they're like, Hey, I want to meet. Don't ignore that. Exactly, ignore what I said, like jump on the call, like send your calendar <laughs> and like, let's make this happen. Right. But the goal is really just to say, Hey, like, Thank you for responding. You don't have to. This is a cold email or LinkedIn message. How can I be a value, right? Is being a value jumping on a call? Maybe. But is it helping to understand a little bit more about your target market? I don't know how many prospects we've been on a call with where they're like, oh, that's my market. And whether they work with us or don't, I know I left them better than we found them. So the next goal is to get another response and continue to qualify like is are they a great fit or aren't they not so literally just in a call where the guy's like yeah you know like we could continue doing this but i was and i just stopped the call i said hey your heart's not into this like you shouldn't hire a lead gen company like us because you don't want to offer this so that was valuable to him because now he got to cancel a couple more calls for legion company so again it's only about the value
1: how does like timing play into this like when i guess is timing important <laughs>
2: in following up
0: um, yes it? it's yeah. important
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so i mean and that's one of the reasons why like we have so many you know back end systems and automations and things set up so that we're notified as soon as somebody replies because the quicker you can respond not only are they currently active but, like, the likelihood that you'll be able to get them to send another message. If they just sent you a message, you're already top of mind, you can stay top of mind. It's much easier to continue the conversation if yeah. you catch them right away.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, like, listen, one of the, and again, this is now becoming obsolete, but if you are hiring a specific position, right, and you're hiring six of those, Right. And they haven't been filled in a month. That's probably an interesting prospect. You should go chat with them because if they have a six of the same positions not being able to be filled, there's something there. Right. So that's timely. Like if it's 30 days after a job was posted and you had literally two applicants, unless they're awesome, then you the timing's important there. So yeah, could not agree more with Larissa's or what uh, viewpoint.
2: Yeah. The quick summary there is as soon as possible. Reply to every message you can as quickly as possible. Also, because if not, your inbox in whatever inbox it is, like whether it's your LinkedIn, your email, your whatever DM, it it doesn't matter. I mean, they'll get clogged up pretty quickly. And if you're not staying on top of it, it makes it much more difficult to know where you're at with those people.
1: Yeah. And I assume like having that background data already researched beforehand kind of helps play into the follow-up. Like it makes it easier to follow up with them.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: And should you only stick to the same platform that you reached out the first time, or is it okay to like message them on multiple platforms? Like what's kind of the rule about that?
2: Um, There aren't really any rules, but
0: <laughs> oh, I, would... I
2: mean, I would say it's okay. Unspoken rules maybe. <laughs>
0: No, I, w- I would push back. And this is this is where this is where it, it really depends, right? So if we connect with someone and they do not respond on another platform, yes, it's appropriate for us to connect with them on a different platform. If we really think we can help them. Now, if they respond on a specific platform, you should probably stick on that platform as long as possible. Now, if they said, yes, I want to meet and get started on Monday, and it's Wednesday, yeah, maybe email them if you connect with them on LinkedIn or whatnot so the answer is yes there is some unspoken rules but again this is why you have sdrs and and bdrs that this is their only job because they'll have context that would pertain to that person a lot better
1: yeah kind of walking that line between like being buggy and not being buggy i guess (laughs) yeah um so what's the next step after like following up and like, what are your tips for getting them on that call with you?
0: Yeah, assuming that they're qualified individuals, if I feel that it's appropriate to get on the call, the nice thing is usually the prospect will tell me like, Hey, we should, we should jump on and call. But if, if that isn't the case, then I'll slow things down and say, okay, listen, these are, these are I'm going to relay the facts that you told me. Right. Your business is decreasing by 10%. You need to book four more calls every quarter, whatever that is. I'll reference it back and, and see. And I'll tell them, like, I think I could be a value. Would they call be a horrible idea for us to strategize together? And you can see Larissa, you know, smiling over there because she hates using that the NLP approach. Um, or
2: it's not well, that I hate it, it just yeah. <laughs> doesn't read right to me. <laughs>
0: Exactly. It's a chromatically correct. correct. But but yes, now that's the thing. Like usually after a message four or five, three three to five, like they are much more likely to want to jump on a call and they'll initiate it. If not, then one you might look at how you're providing value. And again, value could be super simple. Sometimes I shoot a quick 30-second loom video where I view a broken piece on their website. And that might be compelling enough to be like, okay, you're you're doing something well let me let's have a call and see if this is like there's a fit there or something huh.
1: so. um is there any other like advice or ways that you can differentiate yourself from being a mass email marketer to getting more success in sending fewer emails
0: Larissa, I would love you, your viewpoint on data here, data and ops, um, because I think that's something we don't really talk about as much. It's not quote unquote sexy, but I I think your viewpoint here could be interesting.
2: I mean, I would say like, it is really important to have a centralized database where you're keeping track of every person you've reached out to and where they are in your pipeline. Because not only does it give you an idea of like, this person, you know, booked a call this day or whatever. Like it also can give you like more aggregate type data. So you can see like of my overall campaign, 20% of them are going to jump on a call. Like that's insane. That's awesome. Like those are the types of stats you want. And it's also important to like put that data in the context of everything else that's going on. So like, for example, it's, it's January now, we're just getting out of the Christmas season. So for us, like we in, in December and pretty much after Thanksgiving, like we take all of our data with a grain of salt because after Thanksgiving, people are pretty checked out. So we anticipate that like our sales are going to go down in December. Our uh, sales call volume is going to go down in December. Like all those things are going to kind of take a backseat because it's going to be hard for people to schedule. It can be hard for people to do all these other things. But those are the types of things that are hard to be able to see those patterns the seasonal patterns, the, you know, maybe just your sales cycle patterns, maybe your campaign performance. It's hard to see those types of things if you aren't looking at that data in aggregate, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, yeah I'll, definitely. I'll, I'll add to that too, right? It's these trends spotting, that's where the value is, right? It's, it's not necessarily on always having to completely scrap and redo some outbound that you're doing, whether it's LinkedIn or email, it, it's it's pattern matching and being able to take a very analytical view. So I mine or, or I, I set up a lot of campaigns that I feel really confident about and then the data might show something else. And it's, a, it's hard because you're emotionally attached. so disconnect from the emotion would be my biggest tip especially if you're setting up these campaigns or having a partner that that's doing it too. Um, And then from there, let the data speak for itself and you can find some interesting patterns that will make you a lot of money. So,
2: Yeah. And then the only other thing I will say about data is like, don't forget that sample size is important. If you only sent out five emails and you, let's say got one book call, that's great. That's a 20% book call rate, but you only sent out five emails. So it's not really enough data to like get anything on. It could have just been a lucky chance. So I would say like, no matter what it is, you probably want at least a hundred minimum of whatever it is you're doing to get an adequate sample size to make accurate judgments. So that's Mm -hmm. the only other thing I would say in terms of data. And that's my little economics major popping (laughs) its head in saying, hey, don't forget sample size is important. But it it does make a big difference because you can have early success and it can fool you into thinking you're doing everything great. And really, it just is you got lucky.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Could Could not agree more there. But I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We really want to continue making these podcasts around specific topics in outbound marketing. So your feedback and your input on these episodes will just help us make A, a better show, and B, keep doing what we do, which is trying to leave everyone better than we found them. So this has been Nico, Justine, and Larissa from Boundless Media. If you have any questions about how Outbound can help your B2B agency or development shop generate consistent leads, don't look any further. Contact us at Nico at GetBoundlessMedia.com. Otherwise, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of the shows and we'll talk to you guys very, very soon.